You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. Our guest today is Francine Shaw, who is a noted expert on food safety. Uh, which is a crucial issue facing restaurants and has been facing them for the past few years. So, um, Francine, my first question is, what got you so excited about the issue of food safety so many years ago? Well, um, I started out in the food service industry when I was very young, and I clearly remember um, in 1993, I was working um, in a restaurant. I was a general manager when the Jack in the Box incident happened um, that killed four individuals and sickened hundreds of other people. I remember it vividly, though. At the time, I can honestly tell you I didn't understand the magnitude of the tragedy until it was it was years later. And at that point in time, I, I can tell you that I never even imagined I would meet one of the individuals whose son um, passed away during that incident. I left the industry and I started doing inspections and audits. And at that point, I realized that people were just simply going through the motions. They didn't really understand the reasons behind the tasks that they were performing. They didn't understand, for example, if they put the poultry above the lettuce and the juices from the poultry dripped in the lettuce, they could kill somebody. There was a real reason for that. And people are more likely to do something if they understand why they're doing it. There's a real difference between training and education. And I decided at that point that if I could, I was a believer that whenever I was um, doing these inspections and audits, that it wasn't a matter of just me going through the motions. I wanted people to understand. So I always used it as a, as a learning exercise. So I wanted to make a difference. And I believe that I could do that by forming my own company and training people and teaching them why, not just to pass an exam, but teaching them why these things were important. And from there, my company just my company just grew. Um, I nobody should ever die from eating food. It's a hundred percent preventable. There's absolutely no excuse for it happening. And I just feel that. Over the years, if I prevented even one person from getting sick or dying, my efforts would not have been in vain. Can you talk a little bit more about meeting a person who was affected by that incident? Well, yeah. I mean, over the years, actually, I have, you know, I've been to trade shows. I've been to um, several events, and I've actually at this point met um, several individuals. I can remember hearing... um, there's this little boy, I believe his name was Kevin. And um, this woman wasn't from Jack in the Box, but but it was, it was another woman. She had cooked a, um, she cooked a burger for her son and it wasn't cooked to the right temperature. And this little boy died. His, (laughs) you know, he died from eating a burger that his mother cooked on the grill and just incidentally didn't cook it to the right temperature. Um, the gentleman um, whose whose son you know 
perished in the jack-in-the-box interest, incidentally went on to become a very well-known um, food safety subject matter expert as a result of this happening. Um, you know, I met him at a food safety conference I was at, and I can remember standing there speaking to him, and it was just like, you know, when you, when you meet these people whose children or, you know, grandparents or parents have, have died from eating food because somebody screwed up, you know, that's the bottom line. Somebody messed up, whether they didn't wash their hands, they didn't cook something properly, or um, it's getting to the point you can tell I'm very passionate about this. Um, it becomes very real, you know, and I recently had somebody in, um, they were in, we were in Boston and it was a seminar that I was speaking at and she, um, people start to open up to you when they can tell that you truly understand and you believe in what you're doing. And she was eight months pregnant and she ate again, it was a burger and it wasn't cooked properly. And she got equali and she lost her baby when she was eight months pregnant because it wasn't cooked properly. So, you know, when you're sitting in a classroom or a seminar and you hear these stories about, you know, well, you've got to cook your ground beef to, you know, 155, 160 temperature, 160 degrees. Um, it's a number, you know, and you're sitting there and it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other for some people. But when you start to meet people and it's, it's personally affected them, it becomes something very different. Um, and it, it affects you personally. And you, you just, you don't, you just don't ever want that to happen to anybody else. You know, whatever you have to do, at least me, <laughs> I'm very empathetic. Um, you just don't want that to ever happen to anybody else. You know, whatever you can do to prevent that kind of becomes your, your mission, if you will. So your mission has been creating a company, Savvy Food Safety, that helps uh, teach these prevention tips and things. So can you explain about the formation and the role that you play? So yes, actually, we started out, um, it's, it's kind of funny. I didn't, um, <laughs> when I started the company, the, the plan was we were going to be a training company. We were just going to train and educate. Um, and I'll... You know, uh, we started out in my house, you know, we worked from my house for a number of years and I'll never forget, I, I actually quit a, a well-paying job and um, my very first class, I had two people in <laughs> and I'll never forget the whole, I literally cried the whole way home because I'm thinking, oh my God, what have I done? And um two people in the first class that we had. And from there, um, that training company, we started getting requests for consulting. And we grew from the training company into a consulting company. And over the course of the years, um, we work with all types of food service operations, those who support the food service industry, I've hired people. We've got decades of industry experience in everything from working with restaurants to academia, conducting health inspections and third-party audits. There's nothing in the industry that we've not touched. Most recently, we've been involved um, with the development of various 
food safety and COVID-19 digital platforms, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and not that I don't enjoy everything that we do, but um, that's something that has been, um, it's been a lot of fun. So we've enjoyed doing that. I'm currently working with my team to develop our own digital platform, which is um, something that's much needed and unique and doesn't compete with anything else that's currently on the market. It's something that we're super excited about. And that's, that's what we've morphed into since 2000, actually it was 2012. That two person class <laughs> was in 2012. And you know, food safety has been big in the spotlight over the past few years due to a number of well-publicized cases. Um, can you kind of go a little bit into this? Well, I think one of the reasons that food safety um, I mean, obviously there have been several publicized cases and a lot of, um, you know, we had the Chipotle incident, um, which, you know, threw them in the spotlight and, you know, put them under a, under a microscope for a number of years. I think one of the things that's happened over the past several years is that social media has made things so easy for people to get information and to share information, whether it's accurate or not. Um, and once, once these instances um, end up on social media, then they hit mainstream media. So the public has become so um, much more in tune to food safety and become much more aware of what they're putting into their bodies. Consumers are more savvy about this time than they've ever been be before and they're not going to accept the types of um they're not going to accept anything less than perfect or what it should be and i believe that's one of the reasons that um food safety has been more in the spotlight over the last four years i was very disappointed to learn that the cdc has reported a 15 percent increase in foodborne illnesses earlier this year um i mean i that certainly shouldn't be happening in a company in a country such as ours um again consumers are driving um the driving force regarding awareness i believe um we have just so much more access to this information than ever before. And I believe that's one of the driving forces to um, food safety being more in the spotlight. Also, I think we have a fantastic director of the um, now in charge of the FDA. I think he's doing a great job. And I think that's also shed more light on, on food safety awareness. Yeah, there's a lot more guidelines now um, that people are aware of. Well, over the last few years, but I do, I believe I wrote an article about some of the regulations being cut actually four years ago. So what are some of these leading causes of contamination? Um, leading causes of contamination are bacteria and viruses, which are frequently spread due to lack of improper hand washing. Um, you know, regular hand washing with soap can save more lives than any vaccine or medical treatment. I've been preaching this for a number of years. Uh, a lot of people say they wash their hands, but really don't wash their hands. Um, and many studies have proven this over the years. The one thing that the COVID-19 situation has done 
is it's made more people aware of hand washing. I have seen more people washing their hands in public restrooms than ever, ever before. It's absolutely amazing. So that's, if anything positive has come out of COVID-19, it is the absolute awareness of how important hand washing is. And um, the hand washing can just, it can save more lives than, like I said, any single vaccine. So in, a, in, a, in addition to hand washing, what are some best practices that restaurants should follow? Not allowing employees to come to work when they're ill, uh, diarrhea, vomiting, jaundice, um, any of the COVID-19 symptoms, you know, right now we're, you know, focusing on temperatures of over 100.4 degrees, cough, shortness of breath, extreme fatigue, um, the inability to taste. The um, We need to be developing and implementing and enforcing hand washing and respiratory etiquette programs if they don't currently have those. Foodborne illnesses and now COVID-19 spread so easily, these are non-negotiable standards. During the COVID-19 situation, um, there's not been as much discussion over the last several months about food safety as there was prior to this, but the food safety standards have not gone away. Uh, the food safety guidelines haven't changed during the pandemic. They continue to be enforced. They need to be continuing to follow the FDA guidelines. And I know right now there's a lot to digest within the industry, but public health is still a top priority. So it's important that they continue to, um, you know, follow the cleaning and sanitizing along with the disinfecting guidelines. If they're following the COVID-19, you, you know, cleaning and disinfecting guidelines, they're going to be, you know, in, in, in pretty good shape as far as cleaning and sanitizing goes. You know, those sanitation and disinfection are two different things. They still need to be cleaning and sanitizing, but the disinfection is going to, that's going to help a lot of things as well. Um, certainly, they can't be disinfecting food contact surfaces, but, um, you know, they need to still follow the same protocols with the FDA guidelines as they were following previously. One of the things that you've stressed has been the creation of a food safety culture. How does a restaurant go about doing that? Well, the food safety culture um, starts at the top. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't start with the employees. It starts with the executive management. You know, a food safety culture is, it's the food safety mindset and principles that are shared by the group of individuals that works in the establishment. It's the result of the employee attitudes, values, and the actions that are determined by the commitment to the organization's um, food safety management. It takes a lot of hard work to get there um, and effort and consistency throughout the company or organization. And it has to be evident from Everybody, like I said, from the executive management down to the custodial staff. I've been in many establishments where all of these policies and procedures are put into place, but you might see maybe a district manager walk in and go to the 
back line and not wash their hands on the way in or not put on single use gloves or not wear an apron or put on a hat and their hands get dirty just like everybody else's. They have the same bacteria, the same risks. Um, I can remember when I was an hourly or when I, we got promoted years ago, when I was working in the restaurant, we were so excited about being promoted because we didn't have to wear a hat anymore. <laughs> you know, it was like we suddenly got promoted and our hair quit falling out or something. And the, the, the rules and the policies and procedures need to flow through for everybody. You know, and this, this holds true for health inspectors too. I've seen health inspectors walk into establishments and not wash their hands or use the single use gloves or put on hats or a protective barrier when they're working in the in the kitchens. Um, we need to lead by example. I don't care if we're third party auditors and inspectors, health inspectors, executive manager, executive management. The risk is the same from all of us. And if we're not doing it and we're not setting those examples, why would we think for a second that our employees are going to? So something happens. Um, what are the first things that a, an owner operator should do? Well, first I would suggest that um, owner operators are proactive and that they have a crisis communication plan before they need one. The time to do it isn't when they have CNN or the media camped out in the parking lot. Uh, they need to assess the facts of the crisis and create, a, create an action plan for both internal and external communications. What and when and how are they going to communicate their messages? Who are they going to communicate these messages to internally and externally? It's important to take ownership and apologize and be sincere. And the person that is presenting these messages needs to be somebody that is real, somebody that's a good communicator and is a good representative of the company. That individual needs to be able to appear human and make sure that they can make this mistake appear manageable. There's nothing worse than watching a CEO on TV that is very uncomfortable, looks out of control and looks like they're not sure they can handle the situation at hand. The worst thing they can do is say no comment. Because when you say no comment, what, how does it look? Yeah, that they're not being responsive, that they're not caring. And they look guilty. Yes. They look guilty. So the worst thing you can do is say no comment. Transparency is so important. And everybody uses social media. It's, it's one of the best tools that they have to keep the message consistent and uniform. Respond to the people on social media. Response is, is super important. And these crises are, um, they're gonna evolve day to day, hour to hour. And every crisis is different. Whether it's a foodborne illness, a death, a plane crashes into the building. Each one of those is gonna to have to be handled in a different manner. 
the appropriate spokesperson is going to need to be informed of the latest developments and what messages need to be conveyed. Now, is that something that you help people put these campaigns in place? Yes, we do. We have, we have the resources to assist with those. So one of the things that you've touched on previously is um, that I just want to get into a little bit more is how technology is actually helping elevate food safety. Um, so can you just discuss that a little bit more and also how you're, you know, you're working on producing your own digital tool aspect? So I think digital technology is one of the, um, is one of the best things ever. I wish I had had it at my fingertips when I was, when I was in the industry. Uh, digital quality management systems are so important within business today. Um, they have huge benefits in improving the way hospitality companies complete audits, assessments, checklists, certifications. They help with training. There's literally nothing we can't do today with digital technology. Um, everything is more accurate. Things can be done in real time. Safety and compliance information can be uploaded across multiple locations all at the same time. When you have um, ingredient lists that need to be changed, that can be uploaded across multiple locations all at the same time. One person can control all of this information. It just, it, it makes things so much more um, consistent, accurate, and easier for corporations to take care of. I, I truly don't understand why companies um, would not take advantage of this. If there's um, a foodborne illness outbreak, a COVID-19 incident, specific records are much easier to access in the event of any of these things. Um, you know, you don't have to search through the tomato box in the ceiling of the back room <laughs> to look for this paperwork. And, you know, I, um, I joke, but I know that this is true and I know that this happens, you know, and then that paperwork gets dug out of these boxes and then many times it doesn't get put back. So should you ever need a schedule or a receipt or a, any other sort of log, it can't then be found because the last person that dug it out didn't put it back. And now, God forbid, you need it a year and a half later because of an incident, you can't find it anywhere. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, that if it's not written down, it didn't happen. So it's so important for communication. And with digital technology, we have that communication, we have that technology, and we have, we have that... Um, that real-time data that executives and general managers, they can determine whether or not the checklists and the um, data is being tracked as it needs to be, when it needs to be, and if it's not, why isn't it? Where, where and why are the shortfalls happening and how can they be corrected. They also have the ability to, to collect all types of statistical information. 
You know, if there's a problem in one region or one district, what's causing that? And they can utilize that to more rapidly assess that information and correct it in real time. Now, talk a little bit about the tool that you're developing. Well, we aren't we haven't launched it yet. We're super excited about it. And I um all I want to say right now really is that it's I'm I'm really excited about it. It's going to be super beneficial to the industry and um I really I don't want to say a lot more about it right right now. <laughs> Um, so how can restaurant design safety. kind of play a role in food safety? So everybody wants a beautiful kitchen. We all want to work in beautiful kitchens. There's nothing better than opening a new restaurant with a beautiful kitchen. And that's wonderful. But the important, it's more important to plan for the flow of the space around food safety and minimizing opportunity for cross-contact and cross-contamination. Servers should never have to walk through the dishwashing area, for example. Um, there should be designated spaces with special utensils to pre prepare for items for guests who have food intolerances and food allergies. Choosing the proper equipment and materials makes all the difference when we talk about food safety. Um, You'd be amazed at the number of people I'm surprised that don't understand that it's not okay to use residential equipment in commercial kitchens. It, even though it looks the same, it's, it's designed differently. I walked into a, this was a commercial kitchen and it was a national chain and they were getting ready to open and Honest to God, they'd forgotten to put in the kitchen sink. There was no three-bay sink. Not sure how that happened, but they had no plan review. That's how that happened. But um, it happens. And, um, you know, so it's important that when restaurants are designed, not only does somebody actually put out that, that blueprint and that design, but these are reviewed and looked at and... Um, the potential for a foodborne illness outbreak is increased if they're not designed properly. Um, lack of a sufficient number of hand washing stations due to the improper layout, layout of the kitchen, um, improper layout of equipment. If there is, you know, if, if the, the grill isn't put in the proper place or the food prep station isn't in the proper location. All of these things can increase the risk of a foodborne illness. So one of the things that I've heard irks you a little is watching TV chefs. Um, so if you can kind of tell me a little bit why that is. So um, this is a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, I understand that when they're filming these shows and there's a number of them, there are time constraints when they're filming. I, I know that. I understand that, but food safety should not be left on the cutting room floor. The policies and procedures that are put in food in place for food safety are put there for a reason, and it's to keep us safe. It's so that we don't die from eating food. As soon as the viewers see a celebrity chef that doesn't wear single-use gloves, doesn't wash their hands, doesn't wear hair restraints, and they're wearing jewelry, 
they think it's okay. When we see our favorite morning personality standing in a kitchen eating food, we think that's okay. And then they think when, when we're talking to them during a seminar and we say that this isn't okay, they think we're crazy. It's like, well, so-and-so does this on their show. We see it all the time. And honestly, they don't understand the difference. And it, it, it drives me insane. And I know that I'm not only the, the only one because we have these conversations. I understand that these individuals are likely washing their hands off camera and that the food that they're passing out to their audiences was likely prepared in a commercial kitchen off camera. But the average viewer doesn't understand that. They just, they're not putting two and two together because this isn't their world. Celebrity chefs are professionals. They've been properly trained. They know what the rules and regulations are. They owe it to their viewers to discuss food safety. On some level, they need to discuss food safety. To say on TV, cook your poultry till the juices run clear is not appropriate. It's just, it's not appropriate on any level. Put subtitles on the screen, mention temperatures, mention hand washing. There's got to be a way, find a way to address food safety. I could go on about this topic for hours. It's just, they need to find a way. They're not doing anybody any justice by not discussing food safety on, on some level. What do you think that, you know, should they turn to someone like you as an advisor and, and tell them what to do? Or is it? <laughs> I would love to. Yes. Yes, they should. They should have they should have somebody to give them some advice on how this can be done properly, how they can fit it into their segments. And because it can be done and it wouldn't be that difficult. There are very easy ways they could fit it into their segments and it wouldn't add any time or take away from what they're doing. And they would, they would be educating as well as entertaining. So obviously COVID has deeply affected the restaurant industry. Um, but how do you think that it has made people now look at food safety? I think, well, first of all, foodborne illnesses are 100% prevent preventable. COVID-19 has been a game changer for the entire world. It's, it's an invisible enemy. While it's affected our industry, unlike anything we've ever experienced or seen before, there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that handling food or consuming food is associated with COVID-19. We know that, but I don't believe that all consumers realize that or know that. So, um, I think it's concerned the general public a little bit. And I think maybe we need to talk about that a little bit, a little bit more than we do. 
um, that because there's no evidence that it to suggest that handling food or consuming food is associated with COVID-19. And I even sometimes hear the people that that work for me talking about this, you know, and there's just there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that it's transmitted in that manner now from person to person, but not by handling or consuming food. So one of the things you've been doing that can help with that um, is is helping restaurants get back to business by providing a lot of information. Um, so if you can just tell a little bit of, of some of the ways that you think are uh, helpful for restaurants to know about getting back. First and foremost, they need to promote behaviors that reduce the spread of COVID-19. For example, train and educate their employees, make sure that they know to stay home if they're ill or exhibit any any COVID-19 symptoms, if they've um, been in contact with anybody or been exposed to COVID-19, COVID develop employee screening procedures. Um, I think that that's, that's very, very important. Enforce hand hygiene and respiratory etiquette. I don't know how often um, proper donning and doffing PPE um, procedures is being being trained or taught, but I, I believe that that's, that's very, very important. We need to think about doing business in ways that we've never considered doing it before. You know, if you've never offered curbside delivery and you have a space where you can do that, that certainly is a way that you can, you know, get back to visit business delivery services, extending drive-through areas where where that's possible, um, getting creative to bring to bring business back. Of course, cleaning and disinfecting are also non-negotiables, but it's been discovered that ventilation is important too. And you know, we have hand hammered cleaning and disinfecting to death. It, it needs to be done. It's very, very important. I'm not discrediting and crediting that at all. But we also need to look at ventilation as well and make sure that the ventilation is operating properly and increase circulation of outdoor air. If we can use outdoor seating, that's 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 very, very important. And that's not something that's being discussed a lot. We need to keep in mind that with COVID-19, the guidelines are changing almost daily. And I know that that's confusing and frustrating a lot of people, but with any new illness, this happens. It's just because we've never ever experienced anything of this magnitude, I it's not been as evident to society as this situation is. And especially in the food service industry, you know, it, it's because coming irritating, I believe, because, you know, they've been told, you know, well, this is what you, you need to do. And then, you know, two weeks later, it's like, okay, well, now we need to do this. Well, as they learn more information, we learn more information about this virus, the rules are going to change because we need to adapt to what we're learning. I mean, if we think about, you know, what we knew about cancer 10 years ago as opposed to what we knew about know about cancer today the rules have changed and that happens with any with any illness so um it 
I, I understand how frustrating it is, but we just, it's, it's going to need to be this way until we find, you know, a, a, a vaccine or another way to, um, it's at least, I don't know that we're going to eradicate it, but until at least we get things under control. Um, layouts may need to be modified and physical barriers may, to be, may need to be installed um, depending on the type of facility that they have, but I can't imagine that there's not any facility out there that's going to need to do this. And then, of course, staying current on the updates, uh, they can use the CDC, the FDA, National Institutes of Public Health, and their local regulatory agencies for some of this information. And um, it's just it's just important to stay current. You know what what we were saying two months ago is different than what we're saying today. Even the symptoms have changed over the course of the last few months. Are there other resources that you would recommend? I mean, the World Health Organization, those are the, the ones that I kind of, National Restaurant Association has a lot of good information and they keep their, their, their site up to date. Um, but those are, those, they're pretty good resources. So I guess, putting your head into the future, um, what do you see for restaurants and how they can make diners feel safe? So there's no question that our industry has been hit hard. I mean, it's um, estimated that we've lost $145 billion in sales during the first four months of this pandemic, and that's pretty horrifying. If we stop and think about the number of people that these businesses employ, and I was one of those for over 20 years, you know, their moms, dads, kids working their ways through college, high school kids that are helping support their families, um, people that have made this their life's work. It, it, it's, it's a scary situation for those individuals right now. But the food service industry is a re resilient industry, and they're going to survive this. Um, but it's going to take some time to do that and to do it correctly. Everyone's going to have to do their part. And by everybody, I mean the operators and consumers and oper operators are going to have to find a way to encourage consumers to do things the way they're supposed to be done, wearing the face masks and, you know, supplying the, the hand sanitizers and making sure that they have the supplies in the restrooms that should be there for washing hands appropriately. Diners need to see establishments taking COVID-19 seriously and following the CDC recommendations so that they feel comfortable wearing face, face coverings and disinfecting high touch point areas, uh, the physical barriers, um, having those in place, washing the, um, the touch or disinfecting the touch pads after each each use. A lot of places now are doing using um, touchless payment systems, ensuring that the ventilation systems operate properly to increase circulation of outdoor air as much as possible. Those are the establishments that I believe will be the survivors, um, at least survive the most easily. 
Are you optimistic? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I am. Absolutely, I am. I just, right now, I think I, what you hear is I feel so bad. I, I, I feel for the people that are struggling. I mean, there are a lot of people right now that are, they're, they're really struggling. I work in this industry. So I see, I see what's happening. <laughs> and I, I feel for them. You know, I truly feel for these individuals. Um, but, you know, diners need to feel safe. And um, those are the establishments that they're going to support. You know, I think when they go into places and they see, you know, crowded areas and individuals not wearing masks and they don't feel safe, they may not, communities may not support those establishments. There are a lot of places right now that are doing very well. There, there are establishments out there that are doing well in areas where they're able to. I mean, right now we're, we're heading back into a bad, a bad situation. But yes, I am optimistic. And I think that once they're able to, I personally believe that they'll bounce back fairly quickly. I mean, um, I think we were starting to, you know, see a little bit of an improvement before cases started to increase again. And are there any, um, I guess, final words that you would want to um, impart to restaurant owners um, about food safety that, that they should always keep top of mind? Well, um, I would say keeping in top of mind, you know, that they're, you know, public safety and um, the best advertisement actually is word of mouth. That is the best advertisement that you can ever get. And when you have your um, customers coming in and your employees spreading the word that they feel safe and that it, you are a good business to work for and that they feel comfortable and that things are, are, are done properly and they are happy working there because it's a place that they're proud to work or a, an establishment that they're proud to visit. That is the best advertisement you can get. And it, I believe that if companies have that type of momentum going for them, that's, that, that's a, a wonderful thing, you know, because it's, it's just, it's, it's the best. I'm, I'm a believer of that type of, you know, that advertise that type of advertising employees are going to spread the word when, um, food safety standards aren't being followed. They take pictures, they spread it on social media. Um, they also spread the good as well as the bad. So I would just, I would keep that in mind. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been very illuminating about uh, food safety. Thanks so much.